0: Amen. Let me move into this message. If you have your Bible, go to Jeremiah chapter one. My name is John Smith. Uh, That is my real name. Praise Jesus. My wife and I are pastors of House of Prayer Church in New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, We've been there for 13 years. We've been the senior pastors for 10 and a half years. I met my wife in Bible college. I came to S.U.M. in 99. I graduated In 2001, she came in 2000, graduated in 2002, and uh, it's been an adventure. It's been hard. It's been good. It's been bad. It's been ugly. I've felt like shooting a couple of people, amen. I'm not too ashamed to admit that I've, you know, I I could be in jail if Jesus had let me do what I wanted to do. But praise the Lord that he said, no, son, you will not shoot them, hallelujah. You will pray for them and believe (laughs) you forgive and let go. Amen. So I thank God that I'm not in jail right now, but I am saved and preaching to God. And that's not pre-salvation. That's post-salvation, post-ministry. Amen. Praise God. You understand you get in ministry long enough. You'll know what I'm talking about. Amen. But praise Jesus. Uh, I want to share something with you called the dilemma. Everybody look at the person next to you and say the dilemma. See, Jeremiah had a dilemma, and I'm going to tell you about that dilemma in a moment, but let's move into Jeremiah. We're going to read the entire first chapter, and then we'll speak about this dilemma and move through this message. Amen. It says in the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests of Anathoth in the territory of Benjamin, the word of the Lord came to him in the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. And through the reign of Jehoiakim, son of uh, Josiah, king of Judah, down to the fifth month of the 11th year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah. And when the people of Jerusalem went into exile, verse four, then the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before you were born. I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Everybody say I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. I, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am only a child. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I've commanded you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand. Touched my mouth and said to me, now I've put my words in your mouth. See, today I've appointed you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. And the word of the Lord came to me. He said, what do you see, Jeremiah? I see a branch of an almond tree, I replied. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. Then the word of the Lord came to me again and says, what do you see? I said, I see a boiling pot tilting from the north. And I answered, I answered. And the Lord said to me, from the north, disaster will be poured out on all who live in the land. I'm about to summon all the peoples of the northern kingdom, declares the Lord. Their kings will come and set up their thrones in the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem. They will come against all of her surrounding walls and against all of the towns of judah verse 16 and i will pronounce my judgment on my people because of their wickedness and forsaking me and burning incense to other gods and then worshiping what their hands have made verse 17 he says get yourself ready everybody say get yourself ready ready. stand up and say to them whatever i've commanded you do not be terrified by them, or I will terrify you before them. Therefore, I've made you a fortified city and an iron pillar and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Amen? Amen. Father, we just thank you, Lord, and we praise you. I pray that you would speak to our hearts today. I pray that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to understand what the spirit of the Lord is saying. I pray, Father, let the word of the Lord penetrate the hearts, Lord God. Let it get beyond the flesh, Lord, develop the flesh, and let it go into the spirit of your people, Lord God. I pray that their minds would be open, Lord God. I pray that their, their focus and their attention, Lord God, would be upon on that which you are going to speak to them through your servant and i pray for the grace of god lord to declare and speak what you desire to be spoken lord god let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you and let your will be done and your kingdom come in this place in jesus christ's holy name we pray and everybody say it Amen and amen. Jeremiah had a dilemma. Jeremiah being a young man of approximately 17 years old, he was of the uh the priestly line, his father was a priest, and he comes into a place where God shows up one day and he tells him, I have called you to be a prophet and a prophet to the nations. And the dilemma is this that Jeremiah was called to be something that he wasn't raised to be, he wasn't trained to be, he wasn't brought up to be. He never knew and prepared his heart to be this, and yet God called him to be this very thing. And I'm telling you, as men and women of God who are called into the ministry, you may have come from situations, families, backgrounds, households, even church situations where you may not have felt like, I am prepared to do the very thing that at this moment God is calling me to do. You say, God, I came from this background. I came from this family. I came from this situation. And yet I am not prepared to do the very thing that you have placed before me. Oh God, you may have a dilemma just like Jeremiah had a dilemma, but guess what? God knows the dilemma that's going on in your heart. He knows the battle you are having in your mind. He knows the war that is raging in your spirit, and he is going to not only help you to recognize the dilemma, but he's going to help you to confront the dilemma so that you can overcome the dilemma. Amen. That was so weak and whack. Come on. Listen, we've been around S.U.M. long enough to know all of you guys battle with when you graduate. What am I going to do? Where is God going to send me? Where am I going to go next? Oh, my God. Now I have school bills. What am I going to do with that? God, am I going to go to the ministry? Or am I going to work? Come on. Now, you have a dilemma and you have a war that you've been fighting in your heart because you know that the call of God has been warring against what everybody thinks you should do and everything people have been telling you to do yet is contrary to everything what the Holy Spirit has been saying to you to do Jeremiah had the dilemma the first dilemma that Jeremiah faced and I said in my introduction is the dilemma that he was raised to be a priest by his family, but was called by God to be a prophet, Jeremiah 1.1. It says, in the words of Jeremiah, son of Hilca, one of the priests at Anathoth in the territory of Benjamin. Go to verse 5. And it says, God spoke to him and says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart as a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah had a dilemma because he was raised to be one thing, but God called him to be something totally different. How do you reconcile what you were raised and brought up to be and yet what God is telling you to do? And they don't match. They don't mix. They're like oil and water. They're not blending together. In 2009, this came to me because I began to have a dilemma. I said, God, I was raised to be an athlete, a football player. This is what my father expected me to do. This is what my family and my city and my community expected me to do. But yet in 1998, you called me to the ministry while I was in college playing football. And now... I'm in 2009, 11 years later, and I came to this realization. I was not raised to be doing the very thing that I was doing. After I'd been in ministry for several years, after I'd been pastoring for several years, I said, oh, my God, what are you thinking? Did you make a mistake, Jesus? Do you? Why didn't you get one of the church kids? You got a football player. What were you thinking? don't make mistakes but this look like you really messed up on this one <laughs> Some of us were raised to be pastors but God has been calling you and telling you you're an apostle Some of you have been raised, evangelized, reached out, and God's been saying you're going to be a prophet to the nations. Some of you have been raised in church environments and denomination says we don't believe in that stuff. We don't accept those things. We have rejected those things. But in your spirit, you know, God is speaking to you the same way he spoke to Jeremiah and saying, Jeremiah. I've called you to be a prophet to the nations, but God, I was raised to be a priest. Jeremiah, I'm calling you to be a prophet to the nations, but God, that doesn't match with everything that I've been taught and told. Jeremiah, I've called you to be a prophet to the nations. Mm. The second dilemma that Jeremiah had which Jeremiah was expected to speak to kings, dignitaries, the religious and political leaders, but he was only a youth. Verse 6 says, Ah, sovereign Lord, I said I do not know how to speak. I am only a child. God was asking him to do what few men double and triple his age would have been willing to do. He was inexperienced. He didn't have the skill set. He didn't have the knowledge. He didn't have the wisdom. And yet God was saying, you're going to go to kings and you will prophesy to nations, to leaders, to political and religious figures. You're going to do this, Jeremiah. He's saying, God, I'm a kid. What are you doing? (laughs) And, you know, the biggest part of this is when we begin to lose confidence In God's calling in our lives, we begin to make bad decisions and make serious mistakes. See, because when you really think that God made a mistake, you will begin living like God made a mistake. When you think God made a mistake, you will begin to live and behave as if God made a mistake. God, you didn't really know what you were doing. God came to Jonah, said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and tell them this message that if they do not repent, I'll bring destruction. God, you know what? I don't think you know what you're doing. So I'm going to go to Tarshish in the opposite direction. Because when you don't believe that God knows what he's doing, you will not act as if God knows what he's doing. Amen. Amen. The third dilemma that Jeremiah had. Was God... (laughs) did not factor in Jeremiah's personal comfort when he called him into his assignment. Let me give you a reality check. God is not factoring in your personal comfort and your convenience when he is giving you this call to be a prophet to the nations or whatever he's calling you to be. Come on now. Verse seven. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a child. You must go to everyone I've sent you to and say whatever I have commanded you to say, no matter how uncomfortable you feel, no matter who I put you before to speak to, no matter what the conditions surrounding. And it doesn't even matter what the consequences will be to your act of obedience. God, what if they don't like me? Go and tell them anyway. God, what if they put me in prison? Go and tell them anyway. God, what if I lose my job and I end up not making money and have a 401k? Go and tell them anyway. I'm going to bring it home to you. Amen. Yeah. See, you can chase positions for money. You're going to be miserable. You're going to be miserable. You're going to be miserable. You will be miserable. Amen. Amen. Because all that money you make, you're going to blow on spending the money on stuff that you need to keep your soul from being miserable. And then you're still going to be broke. Hello. God disregarded the fact that, number one, Jeremiah was young and inexperienced. God disregarded the fact that Jeremiah was raised to be a priest but called to be a prophet. God disregarded the fact that Jeremiah would have to stand against several political, religious, and financial systems that God had previously established but now had become corrupt. God disregarded that everything would be against Jeremiah and it would be very inconvenient and uncomfortable for him, but yet God still told him to go and declare the message. Amen. Not everybody's going to give you a little gold star and tell you how much they love you when you be obedient to God. Matter of fact, some people are going to hate on you and get upset with you because when they see you, you are a reflection of what they refuse to do and their lack of obedience to God. Don't think everybody's going to be happy when you follow the call of God and do what he's called you do. Some people are going to be upset because you are a reflection on their act of disobedience. I didn't want to follow God, and you are, and you make me convicted every time I see you doing what God has called. So I want to be a stumbling block, and I want to make it hard for you to, and they are Christian, and they go to church with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're putting their offering in the offering plate, and they're hating trying to see you fall. Because you cast light on my lack of obedience. On my disobedience. So I really don't want to see you continue to stay obedient. God sent Jeremiah to the priesthood, to the kings, to the people that God had established and put in the position. And he spoke to them the word of God. And they did not like it. They got upset. Because they were not being obedient. It made them mad because Jeremiah was being obedient. Don't be surprised when people hate on you. Matter of fact, count it all joy when you go through diverse temptations or trials or tribulations. The Bible says the spirit of glory rests upon you when you are being persecuted. Amen. Come on, I'm not talking about self-inflicted persecution. I'm talking about persecution out of obedience. But praise God that the story does not end with the dilemma it moves and shifts. It takes a, a, a right turn into the place of resolution. And it wasn't even what Jeremiah resolved to do. It's what God resolved to do through Jeremiah's obedience. See, you have to realize you are in divine partnership with God. You are not in this alone. When God calls you to the ministry, that's the first step. But then you begin to connect with God in divine partnership, and God begins to give you the resources and the things necessary to carry out the divine call and purposes and plans that he has for your life. So God began to resolve about four or five different things in the second part of this portion of Scripture. Go to verse 8. God resolved to be with Jeremiah and rescue him no matter who he faced or what he went through. God resolved to be with him. God said to him, do not be afraid of them for I am with you and rescue you declares the Lord. God resolved that he was going to be with him and rescue him. One of my prayers has been, God, I don't care what you put me through. Just make sure that you are with me in the midst of whatever I have to face. You remember that scripture where Jesus said, Father, don't take them out of the world. But be with them. God wants you to understand that his plan for you is not to take you out of the tribulation. His plan for you is to be with you in the trial, in the struggle, in the battle, while you are going through those difficult things to know that your God has your back and he's with you every step of the way, Amen. Because no weapon formed against you shall prosper. He didn't say that wouldn't be a weapon. He just said the weapon wouldn't prosper against you, Amen. This is a side note. This is not my sermon. This is a freebie. I'm giving you all this for free. You ain't even got to give me an honorarium for this one. If you can't survive SUM, how do you think you're going to survive the ministry? If you're going to quit on this, you think you're going to get out in ministry and be able to survive? I remember come on baby, you can give me a witness on this. When we were at SUM, we're like, oh my god, SUM is so hard. Oh, they trying to kill us. This is the most difficult thing in the world. We got papers and reports and practicums and all this stuff. And we're like, they huh? Christian service. We vacuuming and, and painting and mopping, all this crazy stuff they got us doing. They don't do this at other colleges, but they got us doing this at SUM. <laughs> I paid money and they're making me clean up. What's wrong with this picture? <laughs> and then when you get in ministry, you're like, oh my God, SUM wasn't that bad. <laughs> God, please let me go back to S-U-L, God. <laughs> please, Lord. This ministry whipping my butt, God. Please, that's you. i I'm sorry, God. I repent. I'm sorry, Jesus. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord. <laughs> that was for free, amen. You didn't have to pay for that. Can somebody say amen? amen? Don't quit, SUM. There's a guy, I won't say his name, but he quit SUM like 13, 12, 13, 14 years ago. This guy is going through four or five pastorates, and all of them have failed. And I remember specifically speaking to this guy. And what happened to him is every time things became hard in ministry, he would quit. He would fold up. See, because he had never developed the resolve, the perseverance, and S-U-M that he needed to survive when he got in ministry. So when things got hard, his default action was quit. Things got difficult, his default action was quit. He did it in Bible college, so when he got in ministry, when things got hard, his default action was to leave the church or quit the ministry. And then he got a position that was like the dream position, the dream position. Like anybody would say, I would want that senior pastor. They gave him a staff, worship team, a house, salary for an entire year. They said, just grow the church. And you know what he did when things got hard? He quit. If you can't survive this, if, if you can't run with the footman, what are you going to do when the horsemen come? Amen. Amen. The second thing that God resolved. God resolved to supernaturally place a word in Jeremiah's mouth that would shake nations to their core verse 9 Then the word then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me now I have put my words in your mouth see today I have appointed you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down to destroy and overthrow to build and to plant I wish God would reach his hand out from heaven to touch me on my mouth That was a supernatural uh, uh, divine encounter that Jeremiah had so that he would know that God gave him the word to carry out the assignment. He was not going ill-equipped. He was going with supernatural divine power backing him and aiding him to do what he was called to do. Amen? Verse 3. I mean, I'm sorry, Uh, the third thing, go to verse 11. God resolved to give Jeremiah a spiritual vision so that he could accurately carry out his prophetic calling. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see a branch of an almond tree. I replied, the Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. The word of the Lord came to me again. What do you see? I see a balling pot tilting from the north, and I answered. And the Lord said to me, from the north, disaster will come and be poured out on the entire land. When God calls you into an office, God will equip you to carry out that calling. Can somebody say yes and amen? amen. David Remedios, my mentor, always says to me, he said, God does not call the equipped, but God equips the called. He says that to me all the time. He said, John, he said, God does not call the equipped. But God equips the call. Notice that the prophetic word, the touch from heaven and the visions did not come until Jeremiah began to embrace and accept the call. Amen. When Jeremiah accepted the call, then God began to touch his lips and God gave him a vision of what was coming. When you begin to step into the place of obedience, then the things that you need will come. Amen. See, because many of us, how many of you were born here in America? Raise your hand. Okay. Some of you are not. It's okay. Praise God. You actually have an advantage. If you were not born here in America and I'm going to tell you why see our American mentality says get security, then make your decision based off the, the security that you've received. So what we do when that comes to God, we say, God do this, this, and this line this up, make it look just this way, put it in this nice little pretty box, put a bow on top of it and make sure you wrap it up in some Christmas wrapping. This Then I will say yes to the call of God and the things that you've asked me to do. God says, no, you go, you step out on the water. Then I'm going to cause the water to sustain you supernaturally. See, people from other countries understand that. They understand that they don't have the privilege and the opportunity that America gives you. So when they survive, they're true survivors because they had something they really had to survive. So when you step out in the ministry, you say, God, I have a thus saith the Lord. I have a word from heaven and that will sustain me. That will keep me. That will hold me. Not the stuff that they give me. Stuff could be here today and go on tomorrow. Come on. Hello, Hurricane Katrina. In 24 hours, we lost our house. We lost our vehicle. We lost our church. We lost our congregation. We lost family members who died as a result of the storm. In 24 hours, I saw how much you could actually lose. And I said, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. But the one thing that sustained was my relationship with Jesus. He said, how much of me have left you in this time? I said, none of you, God. How much of me has deserted you in this time of crisis? I said, none of you, God. He said, that's what you're going to stand on. He said, you and your wife have preached faith. Now you're going to live faith out. If you got enough faith, you ain't going to go through nothing. That ain't in my Bible. I don't know what Bible you read. as a Jehovah's Witness Bible. That ain't in That's a Mormon Bible. (laughs) Jesus. Fourth thing and final thing that God resolved. Let's wrap this up. God resolved to give Jeremiah a spirit that could stand up against any opposition that Satan, the political system or the religious systems of his day would throw at him. Verse 18. He said, today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land. How much of the land? not part of the land, not most of the land. He said against the entire nation, I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze wall against kings, against his officials and priests, and its people of the land, and they will fight against you but will not overcome you for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. God had resolved that he would call him, that he would equip him, that he would prepare him, that he would Be with him and that he would sustain him no matter what he faced, all because he said, Yes, yes, I will answer the call, I will respond to the divine, supernatural call of heaven upon my life to be a prophet to the nations. Too young. Inexperienced, don't come from the right family to prepare me for the job and assignment. God says, Yeah, and that's still not a good excuse because if I've called you, I will equip you, and if I equip you, I will send you to fulfill and carry out the assignment. Can somebody say yes and amen in this place? Amen. amen. Here's the altar call. You know, this is that you have to have an altar call. It's against, isn't that in the bylaws, Chancellor, like you have to have an altar call at chapel? A constitution or something like the core values or something that you have to have a I don't know it isn't something it's written on something somewhere praise God. Let me say this to you I I have to say my wife said don't belabor stuff. When you become pastors of churches, don't be one of those churches that that gets rid of the altar calls. People say altar calls don't I got saved in the altar call in front of a church of a thousand people with television cameras. People get embarrassed. You know what? If God has convicted you and you're about to go to hell, you're not worried about the television camera. I'm like, I'm about to go to hell. I'm going to the front. If he said that's how I'm going to keep me from going to hell, if I got to march down in front of a thousand people and some television, I'm going down to the front. have mercy. Don't stop doing altar calls. Because you know what? The political system, the religious system is going to say, Jeremiah, we don't want to hear about the altar calls. We don't want to hear about repentance. We don't want to hear about coming down before the front and surrendering your heart to God. We want to stay comfortable. We want to stay in our little box. Jeremiah, we don't want altar calls. Don't be people who quit the altar. And if you go to a church that don't give altar calls, pray for your pastor. Don't go to them and say you need to stop doing this and give altar. Don't don't go that far. But say begin praying. Amen. That's all I'm gonna say. Leave that alone. Get in trouble. Just as Jeremiah's father could not have prepared him to be a prophet, so your parents, the legal guardians, may not have been able to prepare you to be what God has created you to be. Jeremiah's father was trying to make him a priest who stood before God, pleading for mercy on behalf of people. But God made him a prophet who stood before the people, declaring the will and the ways of God. God says to you today, I've appointed some of you to be prophets. I've appointed some of you to be apostles. I've appointed some of you to be teachers, some of you to be pastors, some of you to be evangelists, some of you to be world shakers, some of you to be revivalists. I've called you. You may have a dilemma that's warring in your spirit, but God says we can settle the dilemma because I have already resolved what I desire to do with your life. I know what I've called you to do while you were in your mother's womb. I know the plans and the purposes that I have for you. Stop being shaken by the circumstances and the things that are around you and be moved by my word that has been penetrating your heart. Some of you are fighting because you hear what everybody else around you is saying, but you know God spoke to you. You know God has declared to your heart things and you need to begin to revisit and reevaluate what the spirit of God said to you. And you need to say, God, I am going to obey you because ultimately it is going to be you who sustains me. Not just a year or two years, but decades from now and it is you that i will have to give an account to concerning whether or not i was obedient to what you told me to do amen let's deal with this dilemma today and step into the divine supernatural resolve of god amen come on now the altars are open we believe in god to do something in our hearts We believe in God to do something supernatural. When you graduate, this is not about, oh, God, what am I going to do next? God already has the plan and purpose for what you're going to do next. God already knows what he has ordained for you to do next. It's a matter of you humbling yourself and coming into a place of obedience. One of the things that the Lord told me while we were doing the time of worship and the time of prayer God says some of you need to begin fasting. He said because your flesh has gotten so out of control that the voice of the Lord is not distinguishable. It's not clear. God says some of you buck against fasting. Let me tell you this. If you don't learn how to fast, you will not survive in ministry. You will have demonic attacks. You will have the attacks of carnal people come against you. And some things only come out by prayer and fasting some things are only broken through prayer and fasting how do you learn how to fast you do it now you do it in this season so when you have to get out of this season and step into full-time ministry you know how to do it already you don't have to figure it out when you have a wife and kid and and family and all kind of responsibilities you learn how to do it now at this stage so that you you have stepped into it effectively at the next stage amen hallelujah Just lift your hands before the Lord. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus. God, we just come before you, Lord God, helping you. Asking you to help us with the dilemma. Asking you to help us with the dilemma, oh God. That's in our hearts, oh Lord. God, we ask you to help us with the dilemma, oh God, that we may be facing.